Welcome to the Edgy Futurist podcast. This is episode 171. Uh, you'll know this by now, but you can go back and you can search the back catalogue. There are, yeah, over 171 hours worth there of, of content around the future of education. And we, we're, we're bringing innovative educators from around the world to you and, and entrepreneurs, innovators who are at the cutting edge of education and learning. Go back and check them out. You can subscribe on YouTube on Spotify, wherever you, get, wherever you get your podcasts, and check out edufuturists.com as well, because there you can access all of our past material. Uh, we also have events, webinars that have been recorded that are on there, um, lots of content for you to have a look at, and also check out our annual awards, which we are gearing up towards uh, for, for coming up at the end of June, so that'll be the Edufuturist Awards 2022 the fourth year running so into today's episode we i'm really i'm really excited for this one uh we're joined by uh bob bob is the ceo and founder of salad.com and i'm gonna bring bob in right now bob how you doing dan i'm great great to be here it's great to have you here and so you're you the the australian's accent uh, is there obviously, but I, I believe you are you in the United States now? I am, yep. So I've been in the States for six years now, and if there's one thing I treasure, it's my Aussie accent. Damn, <laughs> they love it here. I can talk about the weather, and people seem interested. So I've uh, I've been very deliberate maintaining that accent. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. I remember, uh, I remember hearing years ago something about the Australian accent where it kind of goes up at the end of a sentence. And that's what, that's Maybe. what yeah, so like, you know, like, <laughs> around the world, people will go up at the end of a sentence when they come to, when they're asking a question, whereas Aussies yeah, I, apparently do it just with every sentence. Just everything's a question. Yeah, perhaps, <laughs> I, you know, it's funny. I think I've, I've heard that too, but obviously I don't, uh, I don't recognize it when I'm, when I'm talking. Yeah, no, it's, uh, yeah. So what, so whereabouts in the States are you at the moment? So, so I spent the last five years in uh, uh, Utah, but I'm actually now in Puerto Rico, which is a territory oh, of the state. So down in the, uh, the Caribbean, the Caribbean, um, yeah, yeah, down down on the west coast. That's cool. That's that's got to be nice, um... mate. It's it's lovely. It's it's really nice. It's uh, it's a change my wife and I made yeah nine months ago, and haven't looked back because uh, after five years in, we were living at seven thousand feet there in in utah with you know 20 feet of snow and about this time of year um it's very cold so happy happy to have made the move <laughs> yeah i can relate to that um being in the north of england i think we, it was about five degrees celsius today so yeah it's, oh my gosh yeah it's yeah get me to puerto rico <laughs> <laughs> uh, bob it's uh you you've had such a, a varied career um we were just chatting before we went live um you you, you kind of started off there trying to be a pilot you were a pilot you were a pilot for a while um is that right is yeah, that something I, you wanted to do for since you were a kid that's that's exactly it dan grew up with um you know the ambition of being a pilot and went and got my license at 18 and came to quickly realize it wasn't the career for me because there's there's no outlet for creativity as a pilot for good reason right you don't want uh, <laughs> yeah you don't want to be mixing things up um as a pilot so so i never actually was employed as a pilot i just got my license and, and came to realize uh this is not for me pre pretty quickly right that's cool yeah i mean that's 
that's one like that's somebody's life ambition there that they're gonna they, that's their life and you so you've done that and you've moved on um and you you am i am i right in thinking you, you created a television series for netflix as well yeah un, unintentionally so this is probably typical of like an entrepreneur's journey you've got to be a little bit um delusional uh uh going into certain projects and and uh this tv series called the green way up was was one of those examples where it, it was basically um to give you the the short version i had this idea i just learned about um trans transforming waste oil and vegetable fats and um and animal fats into biodiesel so i designed built and, and operated this trailer that we dragged behind a car across australia without filling up at a petrol station and that kind of initial seed of a project turned into what was a a 12 part um netflix show and national geographic show so that's that's rewinding the clock sort of 10 years ago but uh never went in with the intent of of um uh, you know kind of being an executive producer but ended up just just through i suppose tenacity making a lot of mistakes along the way uh being one <laughs> <laughs> that's cool man so the in terms of the, the trailer on the back of a car so i mean I'm, I, I'm, we could probably do a full episode on how that how that works but let's it, do it. it yeah yeah trans trans esterification was right. the process go, go on tell want us. to go down that rabbit hole <laughs> yeah well i'm not sure I'm not, I'm not sure what it's like where you are but we've we've just reached about two pound a liter for diesel uh so we, we might be needing that trailer so go on <laughs> how, how does how does it work well, basically, uh, so so it takes the um, uh, your waste oils. So, say your local fish and chip shop. Eventually, the oil gets a bit bit too nasty to be uh, cooking those famous English fish and chips in. <laughs> becomes quite acidic, um, and and that actually uh, can be converted into uh, biodiesel, which I'm I'm sure you've heard of, yeah, which can yeah. be run in most. Um, most diesel engines and actually we we so, so that's the process of trans um esterification you know kind of removes the acidity cleans it up for for those diesel um engines and it was actually for this project a um land rover defender 130 with the the five cylinder two and a half liter td5 nice. that we, we did this journey on so um yeah, managed to managed to do about eleven thousand k's. Sorry, fourteen thousand k's um, without blowing up the motor. But uh, in a nutshell, it's just cleaning up those those waste vegetable oils, um, also uh, waste uh, animal fats. So we went to a, a camel abattoir, melted down some, or attempted to melt down the fat, turn it into fuel. Um, you did not want to smell the exhaust pipe uh, <laughs> after that process. But uh, in a nutshell, that it, it's it's waste to fuel. Right. So what? So how, how, how? I'm I'm fascinated by this. So, we we having to plan to stop off at, at places along the way to get that get those oils. Yeah, it was basically it was. So so this is rewinding the clock when I was um, you know, young young and young and uh, ambitious and uh, and dumb arguably, but but and likewise three mates of mine. So so the four of us kind of hatched this plan and um it was not very well thought out dan but but we made it um but 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 really it was um you know we started at the bottom of tasmania um 
And we figured that along the journey, we'd just stop off at these Chinese restaurants, these fish and chip shops. And we, we, you know, trailed, um, we had this trailer that, that carried, um, the methanol and, and the caustic soda that we needed for the process and sort of heating elements and a generator, um, and, and just sort of scrounged our way, uh, across Tasmania, um, Chuck, who was also on the expedition with, with me, he's a welder. We, we built a boat together out at the family farm with an attempt to cross the, um, across Bass Strait. And of course the engine in that thing broke down about 50 miles offshore. So we had to get rescued. So technically we didn't make the entire journey on, uh, um, renewable fuel, but Hey, that's the magic of TV. You can cut those scenes out and, uh, and then the journey <laughs> continued from Melbourne all the way up to, to Darwin, bottom of Australia to the top, just, uh, just, just knocking on people's doors and, and, um, people are very happy to give away their, their waste vegetable oil. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So uh, yeah, it's quite an adventure. So yeah, yeah, so you've you've gone from that. It, were you were you tempted to stay in kind of television production, and did you did you not want to pursue that line of career? Or? No, I was I was completely unqualified, Dan, and remain that way <laughs> to today. And honestly, I'm so so I studied engineering, um, and and you know it doesn't uh 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 yeah, if that's any indication, it's film and TV is not really, not really for me. I skew more towards the engineering side of things. Yeah. The STEM, yeah. the STEM disciplines. Right. Yeah. And it's, and you've done a lot of traveling as well. I'm, uh, I'm led to believe. Um, so is, so how, how, so salad's been going for, is it about six years now? Is that right? Four years. We, Four years. we incorporated. Yeah. Our birthday's coming up end of this month. Um, 27th of march 2018 we incorporated and um yeah this has been this has been not much travel in the last four months very much focused on you know this startup and and sort of what we're building in in the web3 space yeah i think yeah let's should we should we dive into web3 because i think it's still a it's still a largely unknown area to those who aren't who aren't kind of involved in it and and i guess if you if you say web3 to some people they they'll heard of what Facebook are doing with the metaverse mm. and they'll, they'll have heard of Bitcoin. They'll hear that every now and then some crazy JPEG gets sold for millions of pounds, but that's pr pretty much about all, that's what they hear. And, and I think a lot of the general public, um, probably, probably think of it as some kind of strange bubble for, for millionaires to, to get involved with. But there's, uh, like, you know, and I, and I know there's, the technology behind it is is literally going to change the world, isn't it? It's going to change every every part of 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 how we function in terms of ownership, in terms of currency, um, in terms of how organisations are run, and to, it, and I guess for somebody who doesn't know anything about that, uh, just going back to the basics of of like where's this where's this come from, and 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 maybe let's do it through through your lens, Bob. How did you first hear about Web3 and blockchain and and kind of what made you get excited about it? Yeah, Dan, that's such a great way to frame the question because I, I feel like everyone has their own kind of personal journey when it comes to discovering um, what's coming with Web3 and, you know, what's been thrown around a lot recently, the metaverse. Uh, 
I'll start by saying anyone who who knows and tells you they know the answer and where this is going is is full of it because um, it's uh, there's so many directions this this can go and um, it's a very nebulous concept for most as you kind of suggested and and maybe over the next over the conversation we'll kind of build on it but yeah let me let me start with um, start with my experience I, I first. Uh, uh, you know, I think for most it starts with with Bitcoin, kind of learning and discovering Bitcoin, um, and the, that to me is foundational for uh, what is coming with Web three. And I think the the aha moment for me, like I'm a I'm a millennial, so mid thirties. I grew up with the internet and I'd all and computers, and I'd always understood the function of control C, control V. Everyone does. Copy, paste. Anything digital you can just replicate, right? Um, but then along came Bitcoin. And for the first time that introduced, uh, we don't, we won't get into the specifics of how, but this network introduced this concept of digital scarcity, uh, uh, provable ownership, and so for the first time, you couldn't just control C and control V. And, and the, the um, concept of being able to actually own something digital was introduced, which is foundational for everything that's being built or spoken about and, and worked towards within the Web3 and the metaverse space. You mentioned NFTs before. Uh, you know, those are things, those are unique items that can be owned in cyberspace in the digital realm um so, so for me that was the first big sort of aha moment was recognizing that that paradigm shift and that control c control v was no longer ubiquitous uh but that i i then feel certainly for the older generation then begs the question uh well, who 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 gives a uh who, who cares right like owning something digital isn't doesn't mean anything to me and i think that is definitely a nebulous concept that that a lot of people struggle to get their head around and, and sort of the the way that i've rationalized the that there can be value within the digital space is that uh human attention where we apply our focus is typically where we find value or where value manifests and if you think back to my generation um you know when we went home after school we'd go to the local park hang out with our mates at you know the swing set kick a footy or whatnot fast forward to the generation today these are you know kids kind of born from 2000 onwards when they come home from school that's that's not their social life they throw on a set of headphones and they all meet up and they hang out in these i suppose digital playgrounds like fortnite you, you know roblox um minecraft these different these different digital spaces you know this is what everyone talks about in sort of the metaverse and that is the foundation of their social life and so if you're spending and the average american now spends seven hours a day interacting with a screen if you're spending your time your attention your focus within the digital space um you, you have 
the recipe for meaningful value coupled with that technology breakthrough where we can actually assign value for the first time digitally without, you know, kind of blowing out the control C, control V. And so, so those two big shifts, one being technological, one being societal, where, where, you know, another concept is skins. These are these digital representations of avatars and games. You know, people pay money for those to have their digital selves represented. We've got these two big kind of forces coming together at once. And I think for older generations, it's very nebulous. But if you chat to anyone who's younger than 20, um, this just makes it's it's the digital natives that you don't even need to explain the concept to them. They they get it. So I think um, those two foundations are, are kind of the precursor for what's to come with what is again, very nebulous, Web3, the metaverse, and, and kind of this future we're, we're working towards digitally. Yeah. So w when did you get when did you get into blockchain? When was that kind of realization? Uh, that was uh, 2015. Uh, right, I first right. heard about yeah. it 2014, but 2015 is when I really started to kind of dip my dip my toes. Right. Wow. You can normally tell somebody's worth by what what yeah they got into into bitcoin um yeah it's uh it, i remember kind of i think 2013 2014 time hearing about it and seeing like seeing the graph on on some news channel about uh about how much it was worth and just kind of it been a fleeting thought in my mind and yes god <laughs> i wish i wish i wish i'd acted on it back then i wish i'd delved more into it but uh, yeah, it's. I suppose everyone in the world does now, though. They, yeah, it's. I guess it's that. It's the fundamental technology, isn't it, of a decentralized record? I guess is is is, and it's. It sounds so. It sounds so simple because I suppose a record of something is we're, we're used to, especially within within Web two, where where everything is kept in a central place or the ownership is central so for example we and and again going back to our to our generation i'm in my mid-30s as well i always bring facebook up as an example when i when i when i when i think about web 2 but um i think anybody who's 10 years younger than us just doesn't even think about facebook anymore but i suppose when i when i type something in or share a photo on 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 facebook it it then goes on to the Facebook servers wherever they are, and they, and they probably are split up around the world where wherever they host their servers. But it's all controlled and owned and ring fenced by by Facebook or, or Meta as they're now called, and and that's just how we 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 deal with things now, isn't it? Like a lot of especially in education, a lot of people use Google for education, or they use um, Microsoft Teams. And when they upload their files onto there, and they use the cloud services, or they're just using the the cloud tools, it's it's all owned. It's all it's all within the the realm of Microsoft or Google. And I think when we we don't realize as this much, but it's that central ownership means that they those few companies have kind of a, a bit of a a monopoly on on kind of the internet i guess especially especially when we think of those giants like google and, and microsoft but this the kind of inverted way of looking at it for 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 blockchain which is what bitcoin is built on is that it's there's no central ownership is there there's there's a kind of a the the record of where where this stuff is kept these these this 
these computer codes that we know as blockchain uh, and Bitcoin are, are stored on on multiple computers around the world. And I know this gets into Solid and how you guys work. But let's let's pick apart the decentralization first, because why is it, I suppose why is it taking us this long to to realize that we can we can do this, and mm. and it sounds so simple. Why is it such a revolutionary thing? Yeah, so Dan, you've teed up two big themes for me there. I, I feel like, uh, uh, and I'll build back up to you to answering your question. But first of all, I think, uh, and this is certainly related to your your question: Why do we need decentralization uh back in 2013 when you first heard about bitcoin um it was a very rational question to ask why 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 do we need it right everything's working the the uh english pound the euro the us dollar was it was all working right um and the same the same concept and fast forward to what we're seeing today you know there's a really re- recent example um there was actually an article written in the wall street journal this week uh, around uh, at a nation state level with russia having its foreign reserves essentially shut off it's like what is a what is a dollar what is this unit of measure so those were the sorts of what is money those were the sorts of questions that just weren't being asked that, that even subconsciously i don't think that was posed in your mind and anyone else's mind who saw that first saw Bitcoin back in 2013. So I think fundamentally um, without without a strong reason to ask why and question what is, um, these these brand new technologies um, don't get much attention. So, so you and me both, I think we can give ourselves a pass for when we first saw Bitcoin, we never really dug deeply into it because there was no motivation and no no why and the exact same concept um i would apply to your question which is which is around decentralization you know you kind of framed uh how the internet what we call web 2 is largely set up today um it's big business google facebook um or meta uh, twitter these these are what we call the middlemen of the internet um these are the these are big platforms which which connect us um but many of them are free or a lot of them are free the services are free and no one really asks how or or why um the answer is that you are actually the product these are all advertising companies so so you as a individual interacting with the internet your behavior, your search insights, your search motives, um, those are tracked, your location, you know, it gets scarier and scarier. Those are tracked and that's bundled up into a persona that is then sold by these middlemen of the internet as advertising space um, down to the granularity of what's, what's going to be effective on you, Dan. And up until I would say only recently, there has not been that why question answered or posed around why is that a problem but what we're starting to see emerge are events uh, 
like deplatforming or or you know mainstream that mainstream is probably the wrong word uh, 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 powerful narratives that that emerge based on um, this business model um, uh, w- w- which they call um, uh, uh, I'm gonna blank on the word here Dan but but it's a uh, it's um it's like advertising capitalism right it's it's um it's a it's focusing on people's attention and monetizing people's attention so i think we're we're not there yet where um collectively the the we become uncomfortable enough to say okay let's really ask the why question around what uh these products the facebook's the twitter's the google's of the world um, but just analogous to, to you seeing Bitcoin in 2013, um, some people are starting to, to recognize this, recognize the power, the influence, and how we're all the products for, for these different platforms. And therein is is giving birth to the emergence of, of Web3. And, and within Web3, there is decentralization. And so circling right back to your question, Dan, um, wh- why do we need this? Um, as these tech platforms, these middlemen of the internet become more and more influential, um, uh, they become more and more powerful. And, and we collectively need to ask the question, well, is that the direction that we want to go? You know, is, is, is that going to be democratic? Is that going to lead to a future that we all want to see? And, and I think if most people kind of think deeply on it, the answer is no. And so, what Web3, what decentralization represents is the ability for us as individuals to take ownership over our data, uh, uh, you know, our browsing history, our search intent, um, where we are, and actually change the interaction, change the business model of the internet where we opt into or we... Um, uh, allow access to our personal data rather than us kind of unknowingly and unwittingly being monetized and sold to, to advertisers and, and thus influenced. So I, I think um, kind of, kind of in summary there, Dan, um, uh, these big tech platforms are brilliant at making the user experience amazing. They're brilliant at delivering us, these tools and these connections that are seemingly free and the pain is not yet there for us to really ask the question why around decentralization. Um, and it is just a few people who, who are, are, are a lot of investment last year going into what, you know, kind of where the puck is going, not where it's at today. Yeah. So, so that'd be my long winded answer on that one. Are you struggling to manage your school's Chromebooks and looking for a solution? Check out the Vault episode with the team from Visor for features and why it can make a difference to managing your devices. Visor integrates with the Google Admin Console to keep track of your Chromebook inventory and repairs. For an exclusive Edge of Futurist offer for 20% off for your first year, go to visor.cloud slash edu. That's V-I-Z-O-R dot cloud slash edu. I suppose ever since the Industrial Revolution and kind of the era of, of big companies, big government, um, whether we like it or not, even in, in the in the Western world, um, I mean, we, we tend to think of Russia, China, that have uh, overarching governments that are controlling. But we, we live in 
we live in countries that have big governments that have huge impacts on on how we live our lives and the conditions with which within which we live our lives in terms of the the economics and you've touched on there the the way centralized currencies work as well but and and i i guess when the internet started you know back in the back in the late 90s when when the when people started email and started creating their own websites their aol website or whatever it was and and it, it had that real feeling of doing something independent of of communicating without without a middleman i guess um and then lo and behold within the next 10 years we had kind of the the same as what was happening outside of the the digital world um in terms of um big business big government we now had big business big government within the internet as well and 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 I suppose we've come to realise that. I remember. I mean, I know we're, we're talking about two thousand thirteen a lot as a bit of an anchor date. I remember back in two thousand and thirteen, still, still thinking that the internet was was very much a place of of total free speech. You could, you could say what you wanted, and if someone didn't like it, uh, they could move on. But, it, but it wouldn't be pulled down. It wouldn't be, it wouldn't be um, censored. Very fast forwards nine years and, and and we live in a very sense censored internet don't we we and and some people would say that's that's for that's for the best and and i know we have to protect certain vulnerable users of the internet however who it's it's who decides isn't it that's that's the critical question who decides what gets censored and and, and what doesn't get censored and that goes back to a centralized model but are we not or or us our parents or our grandparents for generations now well we're not just used to big companies big government kind of deciding the conditions within which we live like and we're feeling that a lot at the moment aren't we like let's over here in the uk with uh coming out of covid's um the the relying on our our gas and oil from russia uh we're seeing fuel prices go through the roof we're seeing uh, the cost of living is becoming crazy to the point where the, our, our government just don't know what to do anymore they're just avoiding the question when they're, when they're asked because mm. the the economy's screwed to a certain extent and i suppose and i'm not really asking a question here it's just a conversation but I, but my immediate th- thought at the end of this comes to those centralized systems within our world whether the, and i'm not putting i'm not bringing morality into this at the moment anyway of whether they're good or bad but those centralized systems they've got a lot of power they've got a lot of a lot of wealth they've got a lot of influence they're not just going to sit back and let decentralization happen are they and we've seen this week um joe biden um gearing up for for regulation of cryptocurrency in america it it, it is that the first signs that big government's going to come in and start controlling Web three? How where does decentralization, the future of that, go? I guess, mate. It's a it's a great question. I think one thing <laughs> we can be confident on is, uh, or, or a great line of thought. Um, there's a big battle looming right between these these big organisations, be it companies, be it tech platforms, be it countries and kind of these um, decentralized networks that are starting to, to emerge um, th- there is a there is a big um, 
a lot of friction and a lot of debate kind of looming. Uh, and and you're you're right that these 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 organisations, be it companies or countries, have accrued so much power and influence now, and that compounds, right? And so we've reached the point where um, it's kind of human nature to never never want to let go of that power, but um, I, I see it the way I see it fracturing um, and, and playing out is you know you kind of mentioned China and, and Russia before uh, those are uh, certainly going to go in the direction of fighting and squashing this this decentralized um, kind of movement that we're seeing on online. But my hope is. Uh, you know, America is kind of famous. Not, I'm not an American, but but this is what kind of attracted me to the country. Yeah, you know, we the people, a core part of their, uh, you know, core tenant, and um, they too have now the government accrued so much power. There's so much of the GDP. They're not going to want to let go of it. But my hope is, um, they stay true to what was that kind of core concept of the original founding of of the states, which is. Um, Kind of representing the individual and and one's right to uh, uh, what is it? Uh, see, I'd know this if I was American. Liberty, liberty, and wh- wh- whatever those core tenets. <laughs> I've got are. no so, idea. <laughs> but I've got no idea either. I mean, I've heard it here and there, but but that that that's what um, blockchain uh, or, or sorry, that's what blockchain, but crypto and these these P two P decentralized networks facilitate. Um, so so it's going to be really interesting. Dan, how this plays out, and I think it's going to be really traumatic, mate. Where, where um, you know, I don't know if you've you've looked at Ray Dalio's work at all with the Changing World Order. That's a fascinating read, and he talks about these eighty-year cycles where this power does accrue, um, and then and then sort of a reset happens every eighty or so eighty or so odd years, and and I feel like that's kind of the time we're in now, and um, uh. uh these, you know, decentralization is is the answer to that, but but it's not going to go. Uh, it's not going to be an easy change for sure. Yeah, and I guess the key tenant to decentralization is harvesting the the individual users' computing power. To I guess to bring it back to the technology, and um, and I suppose it's the it's it's the key to it's the key to all this, really, isn't it? And in, in terms of that decentralized ledger and. And I know it's also very much key to to what you guys are doing over at Salad. Yeah, so so this is this is kind of grandiose thinking here. I'll, I'll admit, but but what we're doing here at Salad, we see ourselves sort of changing our relationship with the web. So rather than uh, us being the product when we jump online, and you know our behavior, our search intent being monetized uh, to advertisers. We see this future where, you know, these Web3 P2P networks are how we replace the interactions that are today facilitated by these middlemen of the internet. Um, And what is absolutely core to these distributed protocols, these Web3 networks, is the fact that it runs on individuals' hardware. So so you remove that central point of failure, that, that point, where, which is susceptible to coercion, you know, the government or whoever can go into AWS and say, shut down this network or, or de-platform this individual or demonetize that influencer or, 
you know, manipulate the algorithm to, to make sure it doesn't pick up steam um, or, or gain traction and kind of notoriety. Um, you need to remove those centralized points which are susceptible to coercion. And, and what is absolutely fundamental to doing that is the infrastructure on which our internet runs. And that is storage of data, that is compute cycles, and that is bandwidth. And so here at Salad, we're, uh, you know, that's very grandiose thinking, um, sort of how we see the landscape being in 2030, where every individual runs their own self-sovereign server. And with your computer, you can choose what network or what marketplace or what you know community you want to power with your individual computer and your internet connection. Um, but that's a very nebulous concept today, right? So, so sort of on the journey to to realizing that that future and changing that relationship that we have with the internet today, we focus very much on gamers because they have powerful gaming computers, um, and when they're not using their computer to play games, we've actually got a piece of open source software that allows gamers to turn that valuable asset they've got, those that storage, those compute cycles, that bandwidth into games, gift cards, subscriptions, and, and sort of digital purchases. And so that's what we're working on today. And that's what we're growing our network. Um, that's the value proposition we're growing our network with today is, is sort of the value you can receive from that asset, that valuable asset you've got. But really where I see this going in the future and, and what will be far more important for individuals is what do they actually support with their computer um, within the metaverse or within Web3? Web and, and because um, as we see this big debate play out between centralization and decentralization, um, it'll come down to the individual who will be able to decide what's important to them and, and what they want to put their, their compute resources behind and kind of ensure the, the, the integrity of. Um, and you touched on it before, um, Dan, this is, this is down the line, going to pose real questions for us around morality, like where do we draw the line here? What do we allow people to, to support with, uh, with their computer through our software? So, so ultimately we might end up being kind of a, um, a central point of, of, Arbitrary arbor, or, or deciding what can and can't run on the salad network, but um, but at least we're staying true to our value of it being open source and anything that runs on your computer, um, you have absolute control over over what that resource does and, and sort of what it what it goes towards. So um, that, that's where we see ourselves fitting within the web web three space in the future. Yeah, and I. I... I think it's exciting there. I know you, you're talking, and I've heard you on interview other interviews, Bob, talking about you, you always, when, when people start asking you about kind of salad, you always talk about, well, this is what we're doing. But, and then you, and then you talk about with the direction you want to go in. And I think that's so vital for a, especially for a web three company at the moment. And I was, I was talking to uh, a few friends today, actually. Um, uh, we had a, we had a, we had a bit of a meeting where we were talking about, um, kind of getting into the web three market and 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 when you, and and i guess speaking to somebody who's who's doing it and has done it um our, our big our, all of our conversations come back to let's get around a table dream big but then we get to a point where we're like the 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 either the the people 
the audience or the technology just isn't quite there yet. It's not quite there yet. So it's kind of, so I suppose the important thing is getting in there, getting through the door and then being in a position to pivot when the technology does uh, or the audience do catch up. Am, am I right there? Is that? Oh, absolutely. I think um, when I think about what we're building here at Salad uh, and kind of our list of most probable failure modes, uh, being too early is arguably number one right because because that concept i just described uh it's becoming easier and easier to 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 kind of tell that narrative and and have people's imagination conjure up this this future that i'm describing uh or trying to uh two years ago it was very difficult right very very difficult that was before terminology like web3 and the metaverse had really kind of gained traction but with those foundations you you know it's becoming more understandable and and kind of more palatable for people to see where we fit within the future web but absolutely mate i i think um running out of running out of runway running out of money before we realize that 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 future is probably the biggest risk for us and i think for anyone looking at that has an idea in the web3 space um you know particularly if you want to launch, launch like a coin or a protocol, um, a coin or a token, um, get in line, right? There's the go to coin market cap and there's thousands of them. Yeah. So there's going to be, and this is very similar to the late nineties, uh, a, a handful of big winners and many, many losers. And, and so this is, this is naturally part of a, a radical kind of, um, uh, uh, foundation shaking new technological change coming in um is is a speculative craze boom and bust until eventually we start to see that the the winners um settle and find their place within within the this this web3 that's starting to emerge yeah and i don't know who said it but uh and i suppose it is a prediction so it's it we take it with a pinch of salt but that over the next decade there's going to be more technological change than there has been in the last century um and and you and i suppose that quote doesn't really make sense until you you uncover web3 and the and the potential there but if we even just think about the 10 years between let's say 98 back in those people starting to send email from 98 to 2008 when steve jobs stood on a stage and introduced the iphone in 10 years going from that the basic web one to to the iphone in 2008 and it really it it gets me really excited. But by the time we get to two thousand thirty, where the hell are we going to be with this stuff? Like, what what is going to be on? What is what are we going to have? And I and if we if it if it's if it's going to go like that, it's going to be something we can't even wrap our heads around at the moment. It's it, it really is. I guess I guess the that whole using the computing power of of like a hive of computers rather than a centralized um, system or a centralized company. I remember hearing um, Charles Hoskinson uh, talk about. He's got a, a TED talk. Um, he's a he's a he's a guy who's is in, is into crypto. I think he was kind of there with uh, Vitalik Buterin at the start of Ethereum, and 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 he he talks about kind of this being being able to support those who live in the third world essentially. So those who can't who can't um access the 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 big companies who can't access um certain types of finance who can't access certain types of systems that that i guess us in in western countries 
uh, take for granted. And, and one of the things that really struck me, and it actually it popped into my mind when I was reading about Salad, was he was talking about um, kind of the relying on internet, not from a not from a single source like 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 it works now, but using kind of the hive of computers around and the internet almost being passed on from computer to computer to computer all around the world and and as a way of as a way of getting the internet um, this was back i think his ted talk was 2014 and and it, i'm not sure if that's absolutely necessary now with what elon musk's doing with starlink and everything but um i think it's just it's re, it's relying on the power of the localized computers i think is it's a really interesting concept and i, and I know that's kind of it's what you guys are doing, and I want to get into that a bit more in terms of. So, if, if I sign up for Solid, for example, and 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 you your your programming is using my computing power when I'm not on the computer, what are you doing with it? <laughs> what was so? What what are you using the computing power to do? And I know it has something to do around with around mining and things like that, but can you get into that and tell us what that is and and how that works? Yeah, absolutely, um, Dan. Before I do, just touching on your point there, I think you're dead right. The, the democratization of opportunity that's going to come um, with, with Web3. I mean, we've seen it with sort of these play-to-earn games like Axie Infinity. Um, is, that is perhaps the most profound thing that, that, that's coming um, with, uh, with this change brought on by Web3. I mean, the amount of privilege that we have being born in, you know, Australia, me living in the States, you in the UK is, it's, it's you can't even wrap your head around it. And this, this now as our lives become more digital, we'll start to break down those barriers and, and people, you know, in Africa or in the Philippines can start to compete in a, on a more level playing field um, in the digital space of ideas and competition. So I think that's huge. Um, coming back to your question around salad and you know what's our software doing uh, so it was really it was web3 it was these protocols like uh, ethereum and these other proof of work powered protocols that actually was the why now moment for us so just to give you a bit of history it was 2017 when when i recognized that these different p2p protocols powered by proof of work mining to secure the network and you know decentralize it um, it assigned a price tag to every connected compute cycle for the first time. So, so every com computer that's connected to the web, kind of like a tap, you can turn on and turn off. Um, those CPU and GPU cycles, they were worth something. And back in 2017, the unit economics for gaming were, were really interesting for gaming PCs, these powerful gaming PCs that have graphical processing units. You could make 30 to 50 to 90 dollars per month if you had a, a a strong a high-end gpu and i found it really interesting that most gamers were not actually extracting that value and you know any rational actor if you if you offer them 70 dollars a month you know they'll they'll take it so i found it very curious what's the friction why aren't gamers getting involved and um really the core hypothesis there were a few that came together but the core was that the the value proposition wasn't meaningful or didn't resonate with the mass market you know if you say to most gamers um run this library for a month and you'll get 0.00083672 ETH or some yeah. other coin or token that you then have to custody and pay tax on and you know transfer to exchanges the, the value proposition is just not there but 
if you introduce a, a, a different incentive model, different pricing model and a different value proposition of when you're not using your computer, install this application and will turn its value into games, gift cards, subscriptions, digital purchases, um, that resonates. So, so that was kind of the, we've been focusing on the human problem of distributed computing. So demand's been solved for in the marketplace we're building today in that we already have paying demand in the form of proof of work to, to build this network. We've been, so that answers your question, like what's the computer doing? Um, it's, it's a lot of proof of work today. So what um, is Bob before, before we go any further, what does that mean? So if, if my computer is together with all the, I suppose all the computers that's connected with your system is mining. Well, like, yes. what, like, what does that, what, what does that mean in, in layman's terms? Yeah. So, so proof of work mining, um, it's a consensus mechanism. It's a, it's a, it's a way of, um, securing. Okay. So, so this earlier in this conversation, we spoke about how kind of the difference between centralization and decentralization, um, in a centralized setup, it's easy, right? That, that, the Google, the, the Facebook, the, the Twitter decides, um, the law essentially. So there's, there's, there's only one person to trust, um, which is those entities centralized, the middlemen in a decentralized network or community or, or marketplace or any P2P interaction. How do you arrive at consensus on what is for lack of a better term, the truth or, or the, the answer or who owns what, uh, or what value transferred where. And so proof of work is one of the ways, one of the mechanisms, uh, that facilitate that. And, and to answer your question, basically it's, it's a bunch of different computers that join the network. There are different, uh, well, that's probably getting a little too deep, but, but, but in a sense, they are all competing to solve a complex equation. Um, and whoever solves it first is, is kind of rewarded for their work and also verifies all the transactions um, that take place within a certain period of time. So that is the block within the blockchain of that protocol. And so it's a it's a it's it's arbitrary arguably arbitrary calculations to secure the network um and and to verify transactions uh at a very high level okay yeah i'm just trying to think how to it's almost like auditing the the, the records and, and going right yeah that's, that's mate that's so a great way to put it that's a great way to put it so, so rather than like a financial auditor who, who you have to pay and trust as like an independent it's essentially, well, it's, it's actually the exact same interaction, but you're hiring thousands of auditors simultaneously. And these, these can be unknown individual autonomous actors that join the network and require no centralized kind of stamp of approval to, to be involved. So that's what facilitates for certain protocols, the decentralized nature of, of these, um, these different, um, these different networks so um to and date so, yeah yeah that, that, that's what we've used to monetize the so whoever today. whoever created that that um chain that 
that le- that electronic ledger where there was these these sit. They've they built into the instructions within that when they created it that whoever whatever computers are doing this get a reward of some of that cryptocurrency. Is that right? That's right. That's right. And and if I can press pause for a second and share a bit of nuance with you about this is what makes Bitcoin incredibly unique, Dan, is that it's a it's an immaculate conception, right? Where there was no so so we've all heard of Satoshi Nakamoto. Um, we don't know who he is or she or the group of people. They didn't pre-mine and kind of give themselves a bunch of coins or bitcoins before starting this thing. And they let the network from this kind of immaculate conception on a forum somewhere just, just organically grow. And individual actors, more miners joined the network and it became more and more secure over time and more and more people interacted. That is unique and and i believe will always be unique to bitcoin um if if we go back to the conversation we had before about um the big fight that's coming between you know potentially governments and and crypto or you know federal reserve and 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 reserve banks and crypto um there's no one you can point a gun at in the the blockchain uh sorry the bitcoin network whereas you mentioned uh Vitalik before ethereum we have known individuals. Um, it was, it was. I mean, it's an amazing project. This doesn't. This is, this is essentially how we monetize here at Sell It. So, so I'm a huge fan. But it has a level of susceptibility to coercion through the form of known individuals who are big stakeholders in the network that that make that in this looming battle that we sort of spoke about. Um, um, a far easier network to to shut down or to to be subject to coercion whatever form that might take in the future so i think that was that was it sorry for the little detour there but that was an interesting kind of point to make even though both of them are proof of work you got to factor in the history here um of these networks and 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 that has nuance around the networks themselves but Back to salad, um, if I may, just to, to, yeah. to finish out my train of thought. Um, so we've we've spent the last four years really thinking about the human problem and how do we motivate and incentivize individuals to to you know, share their compute and kind of retain them on the network. And then you ask the question, like, what is your computer actually doing? So our software is open source, meaning that you can inspect on GitHub what it is you're installing. Individuals, uh, and this is functionality we're working on and, and still have to this this day, it's just not accessed easily yet, but you can choose exactly what your computer does. So there'll be like a a la carte menu and there'll be a checkbox like salad, you decide what's most profitable. Or you might say, you know what, I don't want to run, I don't want to like relay Netflix packets for for vpns or something like that so you can opt out of these different workloads so you'll always have complete autonomy over what it is your computer does and where it gets really exciting is we've had 15 years of cloud computing technologies so so containerization orchestration virtual machines that technology now ships native to consumer operating systems so so what we're looking at is AWS, the big cloud computing kind of pioneer, they have these products called spot instances. Individuals, so gamers, can now compete and provide 
essentially the exact same product, a spot instance, a virtual machine on their gaming laptop and compete with these cloud providers. And so that's what we're facilitating here at Salad. It's, it's in a secure virtual machine that runs on your gaming laptop. And that allows you to monetize that machine and essentially service things like artificial intelligence workloads or simulating the weather or, you know, cr crunching, you know, providing horsepower for engineering simulations. And, and AWS charges uh, at least five times as much as what proof of work mining pays. So that's, that's the future we're really excited about is unlocking the value that already exists today in every gaming PC out there and delivering that, that value to, to gamers directly. Yeah. It's interesting. Cause before this, I was thinking why, why, why is the audience gamers? Why does it have to be? Why is it not just anybody with a computer? But I think I've just, I've just realized it's because gaming computers will have a lot more power, power and, um, yeah, CPU. Yeah, and, and, yeah. and our amb our ambition long term is to 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 be available for all consumers because every com computer is is valuable. But picking up on your point, we started with the gamers because the unit economics are there. They got the best hardware. They the GPUs. Um, it's kind of like comparing an old you know Toyota Corolla to to a Ferrari in the digital space, processing power, horsepower equivalent kind of thing. So so that's where we started. But eventually, we do see us. Um, you know, our, our mission is to be the easiest and most trusted way to, to share your computer. So that expands yeah. far beyond gaming over time. It's interesting. I'm just thinking, going back to, to education, we there are campuses, thousands and thousands of campuses, probably millions of campuses around the world that have high-end computers in them for, for students that just sit there overnight when the students aren't on campus. When the student, like, It could be a real interesting way for, for educational institutions to earn and a bit of extra income there absolutely yeah. yeah it's so so how does the so your how does the business model work so do you the the funds you receive from doing the proof of work with with bringing all the the computer power together do you is it is it you taking a cut of that and then with the rest of it buying the vouchers and and distributing them is that how it, is that how it works so yeah so we we actually um with proof of work, with these these Web three protocols, we always have and we always will pay a hundred percent to the user or project a hundred percent of the balance that their PC has has generated. Oh, um, okay. The, so how do you, where, how does Solid generate? Yeah. So so right now, or, or you know, over the course of a day, there'd be twenty five thousand machines generating value on the network. All of those coins and tokens, all that value comes into our custody. We project a balance to the user. So say you've you've got $5 that you can redeem after running salad for a couple of days. From those redemptions, would be it a game, a gift card, a Netflix or a Discord subscription, we take a margin because we're kind of the wholesale retailer there. Um, so, so that's our business model today. But as we look okay. forward... Um, and these, these, you know, we're able to unlock these higher paying compute jobs, we will start to take some margin on the compute side. But uh, Web3, those open markets will always provide 100. They'll be our baseline kind of workload and users will always get 100% of the value from that. Right, okay. That's, in, yeah, that's, it's a really interesting business model, that, isn't it? That you're actually getting a, 
you'll get you're earning your income from being a reseller of of the the voucher codes and and not touching the the proof of work um well and it's money and generated it's, it's it's a really interesting monetization mechanism for the gaming industry right so you think about a lot of these popular games today they're free to play 97 percent of people never actually pay for anything they just they're just free to play pays three percent is where the revenue comes from here at solid those games are installed on machines that have untapped value of 30 bucks a month so we're working on a payment gateway and, and sort of an sdk to allow retailers and game studios to actually monetize their games from the hardware on which they are installed so so we're really excited about um you know extracting that value and delivering it to the user in a way that's that's or the gamer in a way that's really really meaningful and that's that's where we're focused yeah it, uh, I, I i love talking about this you know i love it um it's i think it's it's going to be a really interesting next few years coming up and and it sounds like you're in a, a great position to 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 take advantage of that and to and to be contributors to to what's going on so i'm looking forward to to seeing where you guys go and 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 where the whole the whole web3 market goes bob if, if anyone wants to find out and, and start using salad what where do they go what do they do yeah salad.com is where you go uh, we've got a new website that's about to be released and we're really excited about and and um yeah or, or go to our discord.gg forward slash salad for our kind of gaming community there's 45 50 000 people in there um and, and that's where you'll find us and you can you can ask more questions fantastic bob uh thanks for joining us uh all the way from puerto rico and it's it's hmm. to the to the north of england it's it's been great to connect with you and to to have this chat and hopefully we can talk again soon likewise dan thanks for your time